1: What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? 3 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the Electric Factory here on your 24 7 home of the black and gold. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. Between the two of us, we have a decade of NFL experience and a really good head of hair. It's up to you to figure out the rest. But what you should know by now is this if you want to chime in anytime over the next 180 minutes. You can get at us on the dot-com. I'm talking the Twitter dot-com, of course, at Wesley Euler, at the body Fifty 52 The Body. What up, Mozi? I missed you yesterday.
2: Man, long time no see. You know Daddy had to go take care of some business, man, <laughs> but we back in the building. And I'm excited, man, because, you know, my day never fully feels complete if I don't get to see you yep. or talk to you in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anyone doesn't know, we pretty much stay in contact a lot.
1: I mean, I was sending yeah. you pictures of, uh, <laughs> of, of ribs and other yeah. things that I was cooking over the weekend, yes. You, you,
2: you were sending you pictures of ribs. I'm sending you Kevin Harvick info because <laughs> he went crazy this weekend. I mean, it's what we do. So, you know, it felt real weird, but I had to go take care of some business, man. But that's neither here nor there, man. I missed you. I missed the power grid. Oh, and yeah. now that we are back... Man, I feel like it's a lot that's been happening. I mean, regardless if you want to start from the professional ranks or even at the collegiate ranks, there's just been a lot of moving pieces going on right now. And that's before we even, you know, think back on the sad this, the sad thing that happened on Friday once we got off air that we were hoping when it happened that it actually hmm. did happen. It was let's go, no. The won't. Pirates
1: lost, right? That's what you're talking about, right?
2: Oh no, it was another P team that oh, lost. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, it hurt. I look at the New is.
1: Orleans Pelicans. They, 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 they lost the game. They're yeah, yeah, P but team. It's,
2: it's a Pittsburgh P-team. Oh, oh, yeah, oh. Yeah, it's one yeah. of them teams. Yeah, They
1: like they were gone for a while, and then they played just a couple games to tease us, and then they're going to be gone for another little while. they on vacation. Let, let them live. Right, they're on holiday. huh? We'll call it holiday. Yeah. It sounds better that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, mozi A whole bunch going on here. I do want to talk to you about uh, some of the stuff that's happening in college football, obviously. But, you know... We're here on Steelers Nation Radio. We need to do content for the Steelers, right? The Steelers radio station here. And I know you, you know, listen, I'm not quite as big time as you. Whoa, Um, whoa,
2: whoa, wait a minute. But
1: you do, you know, you do uh, some stuff for Steelers.com as well quite often too for the Steelers social media. Everybody knows what I'm talking about, the Steelers TV videos, right? Well, they put out one yesterday, Motsi. Mm. I saw Tunchiokin on there. Mm -hmm. I saw Craig Wolfley on there. You Mm -hmm. know, those are our guys, right? Saw Mike Pursuta on there, yeah. Bob Labriola, yeah, Stan Savern was on there. All the goats, the legends, the five of them. In they must have lost our invites in the mail. Uh, you know, I didn't see Missy on there either. Too her, uh-huh. her invite must have gotten lost in the mail too. You know, but but I, I'm I'm just saying I'm just point I'm I'm just saying I don't know I I'm not great at checking my email. Maybe I missed the invite. It could have easily been that man. But the roundtable uh, topic of conversation was other than Ben Roethlisberger because that's the low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Who is the Pittsburgh Steeler that you are most excited to watch this season? Ooh. So their answers right. Let me tell you real quick. Tunch went with Stefan to it, which is a good answer. I feel like that's a little bit of a low hanging fruit, too. Definitely low hanging okay, fruit. Thank man. you. Thank you. you I want to say anybody that's
2: coming off of an injury <laughs> the year before is low hanging. I don't want to hear it, man.
1: <laughs> um, Wolf, of course, because he always cheats too, he said two guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said Chase Claypool and he said Ulysses S. Gilbert third. Okay. Bob Labriola went with, who did Labs go with? Labs, uh, Persuda and Stan both went with Devin Bush. Labs went with you know what I had this written down somewhere, but it, 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 just details. Uh, Kevin Dotson, that's who Labs went with. Okay, was, Ke- was Kevin Dotson. Yeah. Um, so I ask you, Arthur Moats, since again we, we lost our you know we didn't uh, we lost our invite in the mail to to the roundtable discussion. Who is the Pittsburgh Steeler other than Ben Roethlisberger? Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm going to say other than to it too.
2: Yeah, that's mo-
1: that you're most uh,
2: excited to watch play in 2020. My former running mate, Bud Dupree. Um, everybody knows that I was a big believer in his ability last year I was talking him up a lot I mean to the point where some people thought I was crazy or just being a flat-out <laughs> homer and I was like man when you watch the tape on him though the year prior you could see him taking a lot of strides in the right direction that were ultimately going to lead him to getting a double-digit sack. and even watching it endure last year even when he was sitting there with six sacks seven sacks people were still questioning all right can he still continue this pace can he keep it up and then he ended up finishing with what he finished with, and it was a very, very uh, awesome situation for him, not only from a plan standpoint, but from a financial standpoint. But the reason I'm excited to watch him the most this year is because now I'm ready to see him build on what he did last year. So I always equate it to you have that first year when you're trying to show that, hey, I can do this, right? But sometimes you might not reach your true potential. Mm-hmm. So that was the the year prior to him getting double digit sacks. Then you get last year where he okay, he made it to the mountain top and you're like, whoa, all right, he's legit. Now I want to see, okay, it's easy to be hungry when you haven't been on top of the mountain. It's easy to to feel great when you're on top of the mountain. But now that you've had a season with double digit sacks, how do you respond to that? Are you gonna come back out and say, you know what, let me just try to, you know, get out of this thing healthy and kind of go through the motions, end sure. up with five, six sacks and hit the market? Are you going to say, you know what, I want to prove that I can be even better than these double digits Mm. that you saw last year and try to go out here and go crazy? Or are you trying to prove that, hey, you know what, TJ has gotten a lot of the hype and rightfully so, but you know what, I feel like I'm just as good as him. I was drafted higher. I think I can be the better player. And I'm going to go out here and show you that I can do that. So that's what I'm interested to see most with Bud. And I understand that with Bud... Depending on his season, that's going to determine a lot of the Steelers' defensive success. If he goes out Mm. there and plays at a crazy level, this defense is going to be even scarier. If he goes out there and he takes a huge step back and he becomes complacent, he doesn't put up the same type of numbers, and not just from a sack standpoint, but his quarterback hits which went up a ton, his QB pressures that went up a ton. If he's not given that same type of productivity this year and he takes a huge step back – well, that could jeopardize some of the things that Steelers have been trying to do in terms of allowing their front four guys to do all the rushing and not blitzing so much. Because when you don't have to blitz as much, now you can get Minka sitting in the middle of the field making plays. You don't have to worry about some of these mismatches that we saw in the past where you get Vince Williams or LJ Fort lined up on Keenan mm-hmm. Island, the smoke and mirrors <laughs> and things along that nature. When you have to blitz to generate pressure, you get those type of matchups. Now, last year they didn't have to do that because T.J. and Bud went crazy. Obviously, Hargrave was going uh, extremely well. Cam is another guy. But you want to keep that like that because that's going to make this defense that much better. But all of that hinges on Bud. We know T.J. He's consistent. He's been doing this for multiple years. We've seen with Cam Hayward, he's consistent. He's been doing this for multiple years. When healthy to it has shown star potential. So now it's, okay, bud, we've seen one really good year from you. (laughs) We saw a year where you were kind of on the come up, and then we had some other years where you were leaving us wanting a little bit more. So what are we going to get from you now that you've had success? So that's why he's the guy that I'm most intrigued about watching. I feel like I talked for a minute right there, too, man. Gee.
1: You did, but I like it. See, this what happened, that's man. Okay. When, when, you when, were you know, gone yesterday. You know you got, how it is, you gotta man. You got to catch
2: up. I miss a day I come back oh and I'm like, God. y'all I got so much I need to get off my chest right now, man.
1: I uh, know. I love it. And everything you laid out there was perfect. And I'm sure Steelers Nation enjoyed here. I mean, they missed you yesterday. They missed Professor Motes.
2: Man, you know, I want to hug y'all every time I'm not here.
1: I really like Bud Dupree because you know what? I was kind of thinking, okay, of all the names that they didn't mention, who am I going with, right? And I came up with one candidate on offense and one candidate on defense. Mm -hmm. I still didn't land on bud. So I I really like that by you. Um, So I'll go with my defensive candidate here for this discussion. I'm excited to see Edmonds play this year. Mm Hmm.
2: He was, a, yeah, he was definitely another he, guy I was thinking about.
1: He's a guy who, you know, he it was a whirlwind for him when he came into the league. His yes. rookie year, he played more snaps than anybody on the Steelers'
2: defense. Super consistent, man. You talk about from a durability standpoint, right?
1: Right, was was just consistently available out there. But unfortunately for him, his running mate has it's it's kind of he's had a lot of different guys. Mm-hmm. He spent time with Sean Davis and time with Jordan Dangerfield and time with Cam Kelly and Minka Fitzpatrick comes in in the middle. Uh, well, not the middle, but you know, two three weeks into the season this past year. <laughs> Edmonds is a guy that now has two full years under his belt. Last year, uh, he was a tackling machine, and particularly the second half of the season when him and Minka got on the same page. Now that they've had time to well, play I together, was say,
2: don't minimize him as just last year. The first well, that's year, the first two years—that's the one yeah. thing that he's excelled in. I tackling, think, man,
1: right over the last two years, I think he has the most tackles yes, of any so Steeler mm-hmm. over the last two years. Yeah. Um, I just yeah, give him the full year last year with Minka for those guys to kind of get on the same page. Right now they get an off season. Minka gets more comfortable and ingrained in his role with the team and the language of the defense mm-hmm. and the playbook and all those things. I think this could be the year that Edmonds really takes off. He's my guy on defense.
2: Yeah, I love that pick. I mean, you remember when we talked a little bit about I forgot what, what list we were ranking if it was bounce back players or, or break breakout or, out years, but um. But Edmonds was the guy that I was really high on because I've seen his development the first two years thus far. And a lot of times in that safety position, the guys can cover well, but they struggle in tackling. I mean, the open field tackling. And a lot of times at that safety position, if you don't have a guy that's almost at 100% from a tackling standpoint, that's the difference between 10-yard gains being 50-yard gains. That's the difference between, you know, an intermediate Short. pass turning into a touchdown, the tackling up. We see it week in and week out. I mean, we, we watched the tape with Baltimore. We saw numerous plays where you got Earl Thomas chasing and it just looks <laughs> bad <laughs> because he took the bad angle or he missed that tackle. At that safety position, you have to be right nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it can get really bad. And it looks bad. And with Edmonds, that's the one thing that he's excelled at, not only taking proper angles but getting the runners down. And it's something that people overlook because, in theory, you, oh, I just want to see the highlights. I want to see the splash. I want to see the interceptions. But I can assure you, you, you would rather have him making all these tackles and being a little bit later to the party in terms of improving his coverage than to be in the other way around where he excels in coverage but can't tackle anybody because that's how you really have your defense get his back broken because a lot of times with these running plays that are set up, it's set up where you're getting one-on-one on the safety. It's set up where you're getting one-on-one with him in the <laughs> hole and then you got he has to make that tackle. If he doesn't, it's a touchdown. That doesn't it goes unnoticed with the fan base, but for the the people that really watch the game and understand the significance of what he's doing. Right. You're like, "No, dude, this is impact. This is important." I can assure you of that because we can point to numerous players in the past who've been in his position that couldn't tackle like that. And we saw the results from yes. it, both in the recent and a little bit in the past as well. <laughs> so I think that's the biggest thing with him, man. The coverage is going to come, though, yeah, because he has all the tools. He's I too mean, talented
1: to yeah. not figure it out.
2: A lot yeah. of times when you're worried about a guy in coverage, it's like, all right, he's smart, but he doesn't have the athletic ability. Or he has the athletic ability, but he's not as smart. Or he doesn't have the confidence, like already already burn situation and stuff like that. With Edmonds... It's not a confidence issue. With Edmonds, it's not an athletic ability issue. And with Edmonds, from the people that I've talked to, it's not uh, understanding the game issue either or understanding the coverage elements of it. I think a large part that hindered him his first two years have been the lack of a, a consistent running mate. We talked about how well he played down the stretch last year once he got comfortable being next to Minka and knowing that Minka is going to yeah. be the guy. But before then, like you said, man, when you're playing with Sean Davis a couple of weeks, and okay, with Sean... Sometimes they wanted Sean to be the strong and have him as the free, right, right? But then you get out there with a guy like Jordan Dangerfield, and now it's like, okay, well, now you definitely got to be free. We want him in the box, but then you get Cam Kelly, and it's like, all right, now you go to the box and you go, and it's like, that's he wore a lot of different hats, absolutely. And that's not even talking about the communication that we put on him. And we talked about that in that opening game versus the Patriots, where we said. Man, a guy like Edmonds, this could be rough because he's the the second year player, but he's gonna have to be the one making all the communication out there because there is no Sean Davis, and we saw a couple of blown coverages, a Mm -hmm. couple of instances where, where okay, where they supposed to rock and roll this, where you playing right and left in terms of the safety rotation, it wasn't communicated, and ultimately they ended up in Philip Dorsett having big touchdowns on us. So. Those are some of the things that I think will be avoided now that you have Minka back there with him again and understanding that, hey, I know this guy. He knows me. We know our style of play and our communication amongst each other. I'm expecting him to have a really good season, though, honestly, because all of those things are pointing to that. We're not just going off of an eyeball test. We're not just going off of a a knee-jerk reaction or or just a raw emotion. No, this is calculated. This is saying that, hey, everything is pointing to him being successful and this is why he will be mm-hmm. going forward, and that's why we stand on what we stand on right now.
1: I think so too. Uh, I'm excited to watch him get after it this year. Although it will be a little while, we'll have to wait here. No preseason games for a few. Man. Well, no preseason games this year, right? I'm not we, gonna lie.
2: Every time I think of it being no preseason game, it still just baffles me. I'm like, <laughs> I know it is. We're weird. supposed to be watching football like already
1: I, I, by now. Like, Yeah, because
2: yeah. so Hall of Fame game would have been last week. Think about this. So you know, I usually do the Sunday night football uh, commentary yes. stuff. Yes. With, uh, with Channel 11 out here in Pittsburgh. And I'm over here like, dang, you I already have been in the booth yeah. for one of these games. Yeah. I'm like, yo, we're not, it's no preseason. Like, I can't wrap my mind around that right yeah, yeah. now. It just does, it feels like, all right, I'm going to wake up next week and it's going to be a preseason game. Right, we'll be fine. Right. Like, everybody that's playing games, it's going to happen. It's, it's about to happen. And it just has not happened yet, man. It's driving me nuts. This would have been the normal
1: last week in Latrobe. Yeah. This week. Think about that, man. They would have uh, played a preseason game at the end of this week, and that would have been it for you yeah. know for training camp in Latrobe. It's weird how the timeline's been kind of flipped upside down. So, yeah, it, it'll be, unfortunately, still a little bit before we see these guys in action. But certainly excited, chomping at the bit, as I'm sure all of Steelers Nation is, to see these guys in action. So who... Do we uh? Who do we want to see? Who are we most excited about on the offensive side of the football? We've given our defensive candidates. We'll get to that on the other side here. And we will also continue our uh, division floor and ceiling previews. So we've got a whole bunch of good stuff today. We'll also hear from Steven Nelson and Terrell Austin over uh, the next two hours and 45 minutes here. Remember, keep those tweets coming. At Wesley Euler, at Body 52 Body. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR.
0: This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
1: Most excited to see for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the non-injury guys. That's our conversation to start us off here on the Blitz today, on this Tuesday, Arthur Motz on defense went with Bud Dupree. A great answer. I went with Mr. Edmonds, myself, on the offensive side of the football. You got a candidate that's coming to mind, Motsey? Before I go, I don't, I don't want to step on your toes here.
2: I do have a couple of guys, but the problem is, the one the, the two I'm most intrigued to see, I don't know who's going to be the starter yet, and that's between Banner and uh, Okafor. Hmm. <clears throat> I understand the importance of the offensive line's position. I understand the importance of the right tackle position as well. And right now, I mean, either one of those guys, whoever whoever gets that nod, I mean, they're going to have a very important position. Not only that, but you think this has been coming back for the first time since injury. Protecting him and keeping him up, up, upright is going to be priority number one. So whichever one of those guys get the opportunity – yeah, I'm going to be extremely locked in. on him. no different than how I was last year with Matt Feiler, when now it's his first year predominantly as the guy, not, okay, as Marcus Gilbert. Marcus Gilbert's either injured or suspended. Right. Now Matt fills in. No, whoever these guys, whichever one of those guys win, this, the uh, position battle, they're going to be there from day one and on and so forth. So that's the, the, the position that I'm most – Going to yeah. be excited to watch it. Like I said, I, I wish I could say it was Banner or right. it was Okra Ford. That would change you're the just answer. you whoever wins But whoever battle. wins it, yeah. Because you understand the offensive line, especially after the year they're coming off of from last season, there was some question marks around it, not only from a personnel standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint. When Ramon Foster retired, I mean, he was one of the – not only leaders of the offensive line, but one of the leaders of the team. Absolutely. So how does that impact them? How does that, you know – Affect their play and things like that. So that, that's definitely, you know, priority number one for me right now. I like that answer. I Pro- like that answer. Probably not, sa- not, not as savory as some of the people might would have liked with, oh man, what about Ebron? What about Vance and all these other guys? But, you know, that's just what I felt for, for right now.
1: It's funny you say that because Eric Ebron was my, my guy on Well, offense. he was
2: my number two. Yeah. yeah I, yep.
1: I just, I think people forget that two years ago with Andrew Luck in 2018, mm-hmm. this guy had 13 touchdowns. Exactly. Man. I mean, 13. 13 touchdowns. That's listen, I'm not good at math, mm-hmm. but that's almost one per game. I mean, can like He had he had mozi uh wait, I had it written down right here. Where is it? He had 66 receptions in 2018 in his mm-hmm. Pro Bowl season. 13 touchdowns, 66 receptions. Uh you get healthy Ben back. We know what the Steelers have at wide receiver with Juju and with Deontay and James Washington and Cla- and Chase Claypool coming into the mix here. Uh, we hope that even with Ben back, right, that'll mean more for Vance McDonald as well, too. The offensive line better improved upon last year. The run game much more effective. Eric Ebron, though, man, is is a total wild card in this offense, too. We know he has to stay healthy. That's a big part of it. That's why, obviously, along with the absence of Andrew Luck, while he had you know a, a relative down year last year, if you will, but this is a guy, again, in 2018, made the Pro Bowl, had 13 touchdown passes. Uh, you and I have talked over the summer, Mozi, about how the Steelers went from best in the red zone to one of the worst in the red zone in the NFL from 2018 to 2019. We talked about how part of that was certainly because of the absence of the, the artist formerly known as number 84 and how good he was in the red zone. But that the other part of that was obviously you lose Ben Roethlisberger six quarters into the season regardless of you know where and why and and who and how the Steelers have to be better in the red zone this year I think Eric Ebron is one of those guys when you get inside the the 20 the 25 uh certainly the 10 yard line he's just got a nose for the end zone he knows how to get open knows how to find those pockets in space can also stretch the field a little bit too uh I, I'm really excited to see what Eric Ebron will look like with Ben and with again just all the all the plethora of talent around him in this offense
2: yeah without a doubt and that that uh that was the 2018 you're talking about. Correct. Yeah, a lot of times people forget, too, Ebron was in a similar situation to what he's going to be here in Pittsburgh with having another guy who can put up numbers. He was out there with uh, Jack Doyle. Yeah. And we saw the type of oh, – I mean, Jack Doyle. We, we know he's a Pro Bowl caliber <laughs> player. His numbers are spoken for themselves yeah. as well. So he's accustomed to being in very talented tight end rooms. So him and Vance, I think it could be a very similar situation to what he already had, which benefits not only Vance but benefits uh, Ebron a huge way in that department. So yeah, man, I, I, I'm excited about him a lot, and I think the thing that I'm most excited about with Ebron too is you kind of got the, the the case of is it going to be Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde? Right? Huh. We've seen the games <laughs> where I like where you're going. Where here. where he's super productive, red zone target. I mean, you put up the numbers and everything like that, but then we've seen the other side where he's kind of been plagued by inconsistent plays, some drops and things on that nature. What I want to know is, okay, which one are we going to get? We're all leaning towards, and what we're expecting is what we saw from him in Indianapolis, less of what we saw from him in Detroit, and less of what we saw when uh, when Luck was down and things like Correct. that. But that is something that people might still have a little bit of concern about and stuff like that. I guess for me the biggest reason why, like I said, he wasn't my pick was because I think that even if he is just good, not playing at a great level, just a good level, him coupled with Vance McDonald is still gonna be very impactful. Yeah. Even if he comes out here and he doesn't play up to his his standard or what we expect from him, having Vance, you still know that okay, we're gonna be fine. We're loaded at receiver, we're loaded, you know, in terms of offensive weapons. Whereas with the offensive linemen with chooks or banner, if they come out here and they're playing bad, that can just derail okay. everything. Yes, absolutely. So that I think that was the only reason why I went with those guys, and I got that. That's why I nodded towards them instead of Ebron. But yeah, Ebron is definitely going to be a very interesting case, and somebody that yeah, you definitely want to tune into, man.
1: See, yeah, there, there's you with that logic again. You know that you always come with that logic. Like, look, I'm just trying to be the fan over here, all right. You know, listen, I know the right tackle position is very important to the Steelers' success. Nah, man, all right? you don't care not, about that, it's baby. It's not as sexy as number 85 running down the field catching a dozen touchdowns. You
2: right? You absolutely right, man. Wait, and on. I'm with
1: you. Baker's dozen touchdowns. I mean, don't let me sell him. Whoa, don't let me sell him one short okay, there. Don't let me sell okay. him one short
2: there. Like the I, I like. I, the, I like. That. I like the double entendre you got going mean that, on too, I don't man. Mean that
1: quarterback in Cleveland. Bag- I'm talking, Man. you know, I'm talking the guy who makes the bagels, you know, down, okay. at, down at the restaurant on the corner, baby. I like it. Yeah. Herrick Ebron, the right tackle position. Those are certainly great ones on the offensive side of the football. We got a tweet here from Richard uh, Motsi. He says he's excited to see how Juju does healthy and with Big Ben back in the fold. I'm sure if we threw up a, uh, a poll on Twitter, right, and. I guess we'd have to be able to do more than four options, but you get where I'm going with this. If we put up a poll on Twitter, uh, other than Big Ben and Stephon Tuite, who are you most excited to see in 2020 to watch in 2020? Might be Juju. Well, I was gonna say,
2: you know, you actually could do a poll, and now you would need to do is put okay. You could have Juju, you can have Edmonds, and you could just put other. You can leave that last one as the other category and then see what names hmm. are put up there in that regard. So you so you're got to. you saying options, I man. should put up a poll here? It only sounds right. Come on, okay, baby. Okay, choice one, Juju. Uh-huh. Choice two. We'll go
1: Edmonds. Okay. Okay. We can have four choices here now, remember, Motsy. Now, four choices included other? I think we shouldn't do other as a choice, and we should just say you can say other in the comments if you want oh, okay, to. Okay, perfect. Then So, so, so then so we, we can go- do
2: well, – so I would go two offense, two defense. So you right. go you can go Juju, James Connor, Edmonds, and Bud. Or you can go Juju. Ooh. If we I want to know who's the right tackle, we don't know right now.
1: LeBron right tackle. I think you're right. I think we should go with Connor. Yeah. So let's go Juju. Let's go Edmonds. Let's go Connor. And let's go Bud Dupree. Yeah. Sounds about right.
2: Ooh. I mean, okay. because I think uh, those are the four. That have the most riding on this season, whether it's from a contract standpoint or from a team success standpoint as well.
1: So let's uh, let's actually do this, if it's okay with you. All right, because okay. you know this is a fifty fifty proposition on this show. Can we just say in the poll which of these four Steelers are you most excited to watch, and just leave the other element make you know make people they got to decide yeah. between Juju, Edmonds, Absolutely.
2: Connor, and Dupree. Absolutely, I like, I like that.
1: I like it. All right, don't so, give them no
2: excuse now. Nah, we be locking in on these four right here. Which one you want? I'm
1: typing it out right now on the uh, the Steelers Nation Radio account. All right, Steelers N Radio on Twitter. Boom. Which of these four Steelers mm-hmm. are you most excited to watch? In this is thrilling radio in 2020 <laughs> question mark Juju Edmonds. Connor Dupree. Wait, did I spell? I spelled Edmonds here, right? Didn't oh,
2: I? man. See, now nah, nah, you about to do it to yourself. Don't do it to yourself, E-D-M-U-N-D-S. baby.
1: E-D-M-U-N-D-S. All right, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. All right, Juju, Edmonds, Connor, Dupree, this poll length. MOT. And did you
2: have Connor with E-R?
1: Yes. I, All right. <laughs> but check. I appreciate you. I hey, appreciate hey, you.
2: man, because some people put the O, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I appreciate minute. <laughs> you.
1: We're going to leave this poll up for 11 hours.
2: Boom. That's a Tweetin long time. It.
1: All right, it's out there on the Steelers Nation Radio Twitter page. At Steelers and Radio. Which of these four Steelers are you most excited to watch in 2020? Juju, Edmonds, Connor, or Dupree? Let us know on the Twitter.com when we come back here. You know, we'll pick up on that conversation Again, before we get out of here today, when we come back here, we're going to do uh, our division preview of the day. It's time to turn to the NFC. What's the ceiling? What's the floor? We will discuss for uh, some of those teams in the NFC on the other side. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR.
0: is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Oh, well, it's
1: time to get back into our division floor conversation here on Steelers Blitz. Last week, we tackled the AFC. This week, we sacked the NFC? We blitz the it NFC. Sounds all right. We yeah. intercept the NFC. Ah, okay. There okay, there we go. There we go. Arthur and where else to start than with the division that you and I often find ourselves debating? The NFC East.
2: Mm-mm. You might as well go ahead and start with your boys. Come on, man. Well, hold on now. We've been doing this alphabetical. So. Yeah, you might as well go start with your boys then, man.
1: Uh, the New York Giants? Nah,
2: they ain't your boys. You know who your
1: boys are. <laughs> Are there Let's start in the Keystone state, the great state of Pennsylvania.
2: <laughs> Here he goes. Here he goes. <laughs>
1: i are talking about the Philadelphia Eagles first. All right, fine. I mean, geez, they still don't even have a coach on the sidelines because he's got that COVID. Got that COVID, baby. Uh, but I, did you see your boy, uh, Lane Johnson, got activated today? So I'm sure you're very happy to hear that. Um, Ooh, yeah. No, I, listen, I know that is not your boy, but at the same time, you wish him, though. No-
2: And I did say that no health harm. Yes, no ill will, (laughs) no no malice. (laughs) No malice. And and that's documented. Me, me, and you have had text messages where I could easily (laughs) took a different approach. I was like, Nah, I'm not going there. No, I need all my good karma. I can get. That's true.
1: We all do. The entire world does here in 2020. That's for sure. Arthur, can't, can't be
2: wasting no good karma on somebody, man. No way.
1: Philadelphia Eagles last year. Win nine games. That was enough to win that division. Huh. That was not a good division last year. I mean, that's what the, uh, the AFC
2: uh saw about to look like.
1: Yeah, that's true. That is true. They're just. Pa- I feel <laughs> like those those divisions have been passing the torch back and forth mm-hmm. the past couple years. Uh, Eagles nine and seven last year uh good enough to win the division with just i mean they were just decimated with injuries all over the place uh, i'm pretty sure at one point they even asked arthur moats to suit up at corner and he told him no he said listen i got a show to do with wesley Euler. all right i'm sorry and, he, I, and I they wish were like you're do talking
2: about the west that left us I yeah mean, they were like we tried to get him to gosh. play corner
1: too i mean we missed that Damn guy man. maybe that's why i mean you think about it arthur moats <sighs> wesley Euler comes to town they win the Super Bowl. Wesley Euler leaves town. I mean the whole team gets injured. I don't wow. know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just the good luck charm or something.
2: Hey man, it's a strong possibility,
1: baby. But nine and seven last year, Motsi, and they did so again in the face of a lot of adversity. I think this is a talented roster. I don't know if they Quite have as high of a ceiling as a lot of people seem to think. And maybe some of that's just because I think the NFC is really good and I think there's a few teams that are better than them in the AFC. But I do really like that roster, right? And you and I have said when we have these type of conversations, you gotta, we kind of take health out, right? And that's why you're doing a best case scenario and a worst case scenario. They won nine games last year in the face, again, of a lot of adversity, a lot of injuries. I could easily see them winning 11 games this year. I think that's attainable for them realistically. And I don't see them winning, like, I don't see them being much worse than 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, I, I, Again, they went through all the injuries last year. Uh, who knows what Jalen Hurts is going to be, but I think you're at least more confident now, you know, in their backup situation, if Wentz gets hurt again, Nick Foles isn't there anymore, but at least they've got a high pedigree second-round pick guy behind him that the organization is really high on. So for ceiling,
2: I will go 11-5 and five for the Eagles. Floor, I'll go 8-8. Eight I like that, honestly, man. We talked about the Eagles, like you said. Through everything, through all the efforts, they still won nine games last year. You have to assume that if they are even 50% healthier than they were last year, (laughs) that that's going to go up. I mean, if it came last year, which which position do you want to say is is injured more, the receivers or the secondary? I mean, you talk about two of the most important position groups on the field, and they were absolutely decimated. They were signing practice squad guys every week. Absolutely, man. So when I think of that, I definitely think that Philly can easily get eleven wins out of this. You also have to remember that Miles Sanders is going to be taking the yeah. huge step forward in terms of being the feature guy, a guy that we've talked about, especially you. Like him a lot in terms of. I mean, you. I'm saying you recognized him before I did in, in terms of his ability to be successful, and now we're going to see him from a full season's body of work have those opportunities so yeah i definitely think that philly's gonna be good and i also like the moves they made on defense i think when you bring in hargrave when you bring in yeah. darius slay those are huge additions yes, along with Nikel Roby coleman you talk about you bring in super bowl experience you bring in playmakers you bring in all pros they've revamped their team in a really good way along with showing up the backup quarterback spot ever since Nick Foles had left. Uh, they had, was it, McCown was the backup last year. Yeah, Josh last McCown year. last
1: year on and, and, I mean, his 37th
2: yeah, team and somehow. Yeah, the thing is Josh was what retired. <laughs> he was coaching. Wasn't he like coaching high school football yeah. at a time yeah. last year? So it was a lot of variables played into that. But now with Jalen Hurts, you could feel extremely confident knowing that you have a guy who's won at multiple schools, Yeah, a guy That's who – in terms of playing style, is very similar to a Carson Wentz in terms of his throwing in athletic ability. Mobile guy. And, and, and things like that, leadership qualities, everything you want, they have. Now, I do think the the loss of Marquise Goodwin is going to be felt. Yeah. But I still think they have more than enough in that receiving room when healthy to make an impact. So I, I would definitely say 11, 11 wins is the high. I mean – it's hard to even go lower than 9-7. and seven. I yeah. mean, 8-8 eight and eight at yeah. worst. Yeah. I mean, because as bad as last season was— The only
1: way it could have gotten worse is if they would have lost Wentz for a long period right. of time. I mean, it, they lost him a little bit, but it, if they would have lost him for like a long period of so time. So that's
2: the only way I could see this team having less than nine wins. But when you're in a division with the Washington football team and the New York <laughs> Giants, I mean, outside of Dallas, where's your competition at, really? Right. So—
1: and so they they play the AFC North this year. Yeah. They also have two games against the Bengals.
2: Right. So all of these. Or, things, sorry. They
1: also pl- oh, they play the Bengals. Right. Right. Yeah.
2: So all of those things are pointing to yeah they're probably gonna. I mean at worst I guess absolute. Wentz goes down early in the season. Early in the season, for the and, whole you're, season. and you're dependent upon Jalen Hurts for the for. 12, 13 games, okay, you can go 8-8 eight and eight then. You can make a case of 8-8 eight and eight then. right. But even with that, they still have a ton of weapons on the offensive they line. Run the ball they can run the ball, receive it. Like I said, they revamped the defense. Mm-hmm. You and I both think need, Doug man. Peterson
1: is a good coach. Oh, we absolutely, both had him
2: man. in our top 10 earlier Doug in Peterson summer. on the offensive end and at the helm, and then Jim Schwartz, Jim Schwartz yeah. big fan of what he's been able to do from a defensive standpoint. I think, man, with some coaches, they are better – Head coaches than coordinators. Yes. And then you got some coaches who are better coordinators than head coaches. 100%. He is one of them. Schwartz is one of them. Schwartz is similar in the vein of a Rex Ryan when yes. they just solely Wade focus. Phillips. Yes. When they solely can focus on one side of the ball. Josh McDaniels. It changes everything. Yep. Changes everything. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, no. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of it, though. Like, Some people, they specialize in overseeing because as a head coach, like, think about Coach Thomas, he oversees everything, but he has a little more focus on the defensive side of the ball. Whereas a guy like LeBeau focused solely on defense. But I wonder, does it take away from him if you have him trying to oversee everything and not have as much of a a hold on the defense? So, yeah, man, everybody is different, man. Some people love to be overseers. Some people love to just be singularly focused on one task. So it's a personal preference thing. But, yeah, they they have an amazing setup in Philly, man.
1: From Philly Uh to their rival. Hey, America's team? The Dallas Cowboys. Wait, hold that's what they say. I thought America's team was the Phoenix Suns. That's what they've been saying. Have they? They're like six and zero. Why do I feel like everybody
2: want to be America's team? Everybody? Except for the Steelers. Yeah, I was gonna say Pittsburgh never says America's team, but Dallas was America's team. Everybody want to be America's team. The Suns, all,
1: the Suns play uh, at 430 today with a chance to go 7-0 and in the bubble
2: mode. I like how we America's just focus team. on the bubble. America's team. Not not before the bubble, just the bubble.
1: Well, hey, the bubble was enough to get the penguins up out of here before I could even Chill start out, to man. enjoy them.
2: Listen, listen. They had you know other things to be worried about, like family and hmm. friends. Golf. That, too, I mean, that's a part of your your mental health, man. You got to get out there and golf every once in a while, man. So they had a lot of variables, so that's ultimately why, you know, they decided to have an early exit to a team that, yeah, uh, just a team that they're, yeah.
1: Let's not talk about it. The Cowboys have some variables. Arthur Motes. new head coach mm-hmm. in a uh, in an unprecedented offseason. That's certainly a uh, an interesting wrinkle, interesting variable for the variable for the Cowboys, but Mike McCarthy, Super Bowl champion. It's not like he's never been a head coach before he takes over for Jason Garrett. Dak's still there. Zeke's still there. The offensive line still there. Amari Cooper's locked up long-term. You bring in CeeDee Lamb in the first round, you lose a little bit on the defensive side of the football, but a lot of talent still there. Arthur Mote's a team that at 8-8 last year. I think you and I both agree that that was underperforming for them with all the talent that they had on that roster last year. I think this is similar to the Eagles, honestly. Ceiling for the Cowboys, I'll go 11-5. Floor, I I don't see them being much worse than last year. I think I'll go 8-8. because even, hey, if we're going to go, you know, worst case scenario, your quarterback goes down early in the year. They got Andy Dalton to come in. I still think there's enough talent on that offense. You got Zeke. You got that line. You've got some playmakers. I think the Cowboys and the Eagles are, are very similar. I, I might give the Eagles a slight edge again just for the continuity conversation, right? Like they're not breaking in a, a new head coach in a pandemic yeah. offseason. But I think the Cowboys are about that same window. I'd say uh, 11 wins to, to 8 wins.
2: I don't like when we have to keep agreeing, but I do oh. agree. And this is the thing, too. You were naming all these names. You left off Alden Smith, a guy yeah, I <laughs> <forgot> about <Alden laughs> when, 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 when he's mentally in the right Ooh. place, he's one of the best to do it. I, for, I forgot all about yeah, him. Yeah, man. He's a huge pickup, along with Randy, uh, Randy Gregory being able to come back as mm-hmm. well, man. So, yeah, when you talk about the Cowboys roster in the NFC East, they probably have the most talented roster top to bottom. I think so. I mean, I give them a slight edge over the Eagles. Yeah, and when you're talking about quarterback depth, I mean, you can make the debate which quarterback you want, Winsor or Dak, but after that, I'm definitely going to take Andy Dalton over Jalen Hurts, especially in these circumstances right here. And then from a receiving room standpoint, I mean, the amount of talent in that Cowboys wide receiver, uh, wide receiver group's uh, room, I mean, it's second to none. So, yeah, I honestly think that they'll easily be an 11-win team. Obviously, health is the big part for them. But everything points to them being successful because they can play any style. If they want to go out here and air it out, man, Dak Prescott's coming off a 4,900-yard passing season. (laughs) And he's going to be in a franchise tag year, so you know he wants to put up numbers again. But then if they want to go the route of, all right, let's run the ball and play defense, they got Zeke, a a top three running back, debatable. However you want to have him in Mm -hmm. that top three, he's there and that defense we know the defense now they now granted they're going to have some replacement pieces because of the loss of some of the guys in the secondary and sure, things like that sure. and, and that definitely is going to present some challenges but at the same time and when you look at some of the pieces they're going to have out there you're like man they're going to be alright
1: yeah cuz they they yeah they, so they lost Byron Jones on defense uh-huh. did they lose another big name on defense and I'm forgetting uh, wasn't it um one of their linemen, Robert
2: Quinn. Was it Robert Quinn? Yeah, yeah. No, oh, Quinn, he went to uh, Chicago. but I, That's right. What's the. Oh, my, I'm drawing a blink on that. Because uh, Demarcus name. Lawrence is still there. Mm-hmm. He's still there. A uh, uh, Woozy is still there yep. as well. And
1: then at the linebackers, I know obviously uh, Jalen Smith is still there. He was. Manorash last year, Lane was
2: injured at yeah. that time. So that's why it looked different.
1: Yep. But, no, you're right. I think top to bottom, the most talented roster in the division, uh, bringing in a head coach in this kind of just turbulent offseason certainly does not make things any easier. But, yeah, I just – with the seventh team – and you and I have talked. The NFC's deep, man. There's a lot of good teams in the NFC. But with the addition of the extra wild card team – It would be bordering on disaster if the Cowboys went another
2: year without making the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I just, I don't see a scenario. Well, disaster for them. I mean, I'm not going to lose any sleep. No no question.
2: No question. (laughs) I just, for me, man, I don't necessarily see a scenario where that happens, honestly, man. I just think they're too talented, man.
1: I'm (laughs) I'm with you, too. I'm with you, too. And even right if you want to say doomsday, I mean, Andy Dalton's got to be one of the better backup quarterbacks in the National Football League off the top of my head without really thinking about it. Certainly, at least in terms of pedigree. There's half of the NFC East. Mm
2: -hmm. The only two teams that count in that division. (laughs)
1: <laughs> the only that's true. I mean it, except for the couple years that Eli was doing his thing, yeah. right? Other than that, uh KD says here, uh the NFL wanted us as America's team. The Chiefs said forget that. We're Pittsburgh's team. Yeah, mm. that is a, a really good story. Uh KD, I believe it was Dave VanStat who told that story one time. Money. I'm sure. I'm sure if you go to Google, go to YouTube, put in Dave Wanstat Steelers Cowboys that clip will pop up it's a it's a great clip about the chief saying i don't want to be america's team we're the pittsburgh steelers uh yeah all of steelers nation should see that for sure we will continue uh or we'll wrap up i should say <laughs> our floor conversation for the nfc east when we begin our number two keep those tweets rolling in at wesley Uler at the body 52 the body one hour down two more to go so stay with us inside the electric factory you are listening to steelers blitz on snr Good evening, Steelers Nation. How we doing?
2: Sensation.
1: Well, that's good. Me too. Arthur Motz, Wesley Euler, hour number two, inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. And I got to ask you, Motzi, I'm a little off here, okay? You know, as radio guys, right, we're, in a lot of ways, you're kind of creatures of habit, mm-hmm. right? It's, 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 it's similar in a way to... I don't know. I mean, I guess like the same kind of just the rhythm of being an athlete in a way, too. Right. Like when you do your radio show, you expect. All right. I prep it this time. We're on air from this time. Right. We do these certain things on certain days. Right. Like, you know, when you come in here on Thursday, you're like, all right, Wes is going to have three questions for me. It's, yeah, this is what we do. It's three question Thursday. Right. Just how, you know, in some jobs are you going on Wednesday? You know, Wednesday's a certain day. You go in on Friday. You know, Friday's a certain day. Right. There's a rhythm about all this. Hour number two, I always come in, you know, and I ask our audience how they're doing, and they tell me back, even though I can't hear them, right? They say, oh, I'm good, Wes. I'm good, Or, or we're they good. say they're we're, sad. We're great. Well, no. They're always good. It's always good. It's always, it's always optimism, baby, right? Which
2: is why I say what I say when you say, how you doing, Pistolian Nation? I'm like, uh, my tummy hurts. Oh, that's good. Just to let you know. Pull this curtain back.
1: You know, I'm asking Steeler Nation how they're doing, and everybody knows no matter how you're doing, when somebody asks you how you're doing, you have to answer back good. That's the only
2: acceptable mm-hmm. answer. Nope, not me. I'm going to tell it. I'm sad. My toe hurts. Huh.
1: Huh. Uh, is 4 o'clock? The afternoon or the evening, like I, I, stuttered there for a second, and I found myself doing this since we moved times because four o'clock is not the afternoon. I typically say like it's the evening. I think it's the evening because yeah. that's what I've been going with. I think it's the evening. It's like the beginning of the evening. It is. Four like, o'clock like is the crossover. If it was five o'clock, it's definitely the evening. If it's three o'clock, I'm like ah, still, afternoon, still afternoon probably. But four o'clock, that's all right. So I'm good in your mind going with good evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay.
2: to I mean, most people are home from work or they're well, driving I was gonna home say, from four work. O'clock, schools. I always yeah. try to base it on a school calendar. Mm. Like it's true. Even if you're the, the the kids that, okay, elementary goes early, high school is late. Right? <laughs> However you want to slice it, everybody's out of school by 4 o'clock. Yes. Everybody is. Yes. Okay? Yeah, so no, that's, that's why I leave it like that, man.
1: That's a good call by you. I like it. From Mozi's lips to my ears, that is the word of SNR. I'll take it. It's evening. Good evening, Steelers Nation. We're continuing with our division preview floors and ceiling. Today is the NFC East. We have two teams to get to. Let's go to the Giants, the New York football Giants, even though they reside in New Jersey. Don't tell Arthur Motes. It's it's a touchy subject, all right? There's only one New York team, and it's up in Buffalo. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But the New York Giants, Arthur Motes. Hmm.
0: Hmm, hmm, hmm. The
2: New
1: Jersey football Giants. The New Jersey football Giants. Big blue. There's that Kentucky. I don't know. All these teams share the same nicknames and monikers. The Giants. Danny Dimes enters year three now. Ooh, they grow up so fast. They do. Saquon Barkley. You bring in Andrew Thomas fourth overall on the offensive line. You get Golden Tate healthy-ish. Hopefully this year more healthy than last year. Certainly. Defensive side of the football. Eh, still some gaps
2: there. Oh, yeah. Aren't they bringing back uh, – I think I saw something with uh, Ross Cockrell, man. I think he they signed it back with them, man. Shout out to the homie. Let's go, Ross.
1: <laughs> Arthur Motes, last year, the Giants – I believe they're, they're four – well, was it four or five wins last year? I
3: wrote uh, this down, and now was, I can't uh, – four. Four and 12. Now I can't
1: find it. Okay, they were four and 12 last yep. year. You're right. I was going to say I have this in my notes here, all the division team records, and now, of course, I'm scrambling and I can't find it when I need it. Teamwork. I got you back. Four wins last year for the Giants. Um. I could see them doing a little bit better than this. Now, they face the same thing, uh, kind of like the Cowboys, that a new head coach in this pandemic offseason, that's going to Not be Not only new
2: head coach. Jason Garrett's there. Yeah, offensive but, coordinator. But, but think about this, man. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the, on the coach's name right now. Give me one Joe second. Joe Judge? I, I, yeah, Joe Judge I didn't, with the Patriots. Yep. That's why I kept thinking. I was like, I knew he was the receiver slash Judge. special teams coach. This is a big Big move, man. Like, we talk about with Mike McCarthy and how, man, in typical years, you can get away with a new head coach because you got OTAs, training camp, you get to report early and things like that. But under these circumstances, you don't get that lecture. And at least with the Cowboys, with McCarthy, he's been a head coach. He's been the leader for numerous years. He understands how to operate and maneuver through these things. Joe Judge I mean, my man was the special teams <laughs> coordinator and wide receivers coach. Yeah, this gonna be a big. I mean, think at least if you was the offense coordinator or defense coordinator, your position takes like priority. You're like, all right, he's gonna specialize yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Like, like the OC takes priority, the DC takes priority. Right, special teams coach, special teams coordinator is kind like third, third wheel. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. not, it's important. But it's not as important as the other two. So with Joe Judge, I'm like, man, this is gonna be different. Yeah.
1: I think you're right. I think you're right. So I could certainly see it getting a little bit better. I could certainly see it getting a little bit worse. But I think four and twelve is about the the jump off point again. The window, the the potential is a little bit wider for me, maybe than the Cowboys. Not even potential, but just the possibilities okay, are a little bit more of a broad range. Like right, like I had Dallas and the Eagles, kind of really only a three game gap there. Best case scenario for the Giants: Joe Judge is the right hire. Danny Dimes year three figures mm-hmm. it out. Saquon has a huge year. Who in six games? Six, Two more than last year? Six games? But worst case scenario, I mean, they could definitely lose two more than last year. They could only win two games. Lose 14 games. So yeah, I think that'll be it for the Giants. Best case scenario, Danny Dimes moves forward. They have a, a relatively easy transition with the new coach. I could see him winning six games. I could also see him only winning 2 games, Mozzie. I think that's my floor and my ceiling for the Giants.
2: Man, I appreciate your optimism. I'm not even giving <laughs> them, not six even games, them 6 games, baby. <laughs> Listen, that new head coach thing is is serious. I've been a part of organizations where they've had new head coaches and I remember the feeling the first year of them being there. I think the only successful first-year coach I had was Doug Marrone, and when we say success, that was cuz we finished 6 and 10 compared to what we had done previously in Buffalo. It's hard on first-year coaches though. It Literally, is. Chan Gailey. In a normal year, it's hard. I would say Chan Gailey, uh, Doug Marone, Steve Wilkes, all three of those guys in year one, you spend the whole year trying to implement culture, trying to teach the players to operate how you want them to operate, how to mentally get them to handle adversity the same way that you handle adversity It's so much that goes into it. And the one thing that I always remember feeling in all three of those situations was man, when the season was about to start, it just didn't feel like we had enough time together. Hmm. And that was with us coming into OTAs a week early. That was with us coming into training camp a week early. It still just felt like, man, we're we coming into the season and midway point of the season, we're still trying to have conversations to learn each other and figure things out. Right. Whereas in Pittsburgh, man, I remember from the time we showed up to OTAs, I felt the exact same way as I did in November or December, like, Man, we're good. I know everything. He knows everything. Coach knows this. I know how coach is gonna act. I know what coach is thinking right here. He knows what I'm thinking in this situation. We're all on the same page here. And now he's got to execute. Whereas with those teams, man, where you got a first your head, coach, it's like, all right, I think I'm ex- I think I'm doing this the right way. I don't really know if he really wants me to do it like that. Is-, is this how I'm supposed to do that? Or he's trying to figure out, okay, does that is is he playing to the best of his ability? Is this motivating him? Do I trust him? Does he trust me? Right. It's just never enough time. And that's, like I said, a normal offseason. This offseason right here, man, it's even crazier. And this is what it guy, at least I was like with Marone, he came from being the head guy at Syracuse. Chan Gailey had been, you know, in the driver's seat before. Steve Wilkes, he was a DC before. So it's like, okay, you at least in a, 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 a very important position right. in terms of the amount of plays that you are responsible for. As a special teams coordinator, without a doubt, it's important. But special teams, you're looking at 30 snaps total. Sure. And that's including – field goals and field and goal blocks at least if you were the
1: oc or the dc it's like you know you might not have been the principal but you've been the vice principal yeah yeah or, or the assistant principal assistant principal vice, vice principal? president
2: vice president do
1: people principal. not say vice principal no no that sounds weird do we only say <laughs> vice president is that the only time it's vice uh, and then everything else it's assistant i think so bro. assistant to the regional manager think about it, executive assistant i mean that's true hmm Okay, assistant principal. Go on. Sorry. Unless you got like the, the oh, he's the CEO. <laughs> no, I think
2: you're right. That's the vice CEO. Like you nah. mean you didn't roll
1: around in high school? Like what a VP? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just yeah, I don't really. Right. I assistant. don't remember that. No, actually, you know what? You're right because now that I'm remembering it, and everybody knows, I graduated from the academic powerhouse and athletic powerhouse yeah. of Mars High School in Western Pennsylvania. Here we go. We had a principal, an assistant principal, and an associate principal. So you're right, this is all you know, yeah, hey, yeah. it's been eleven years. Oh, jeez, yeah. That sounds painful to say out loud. So it's been eleven years since I graduated high school, but now it's all coming back to me.
2: Yeah, so we had a four principal set we had our main principal and then we just had three assistant principals. Like Yeah, that's okay. the assistant, principal, that's the assistant principal. And, and they were all kind of like equal. But it was kind of like the checks mm. and balances of like, oh, okay. Well, one handle yeah, the discipline. One right, right, this. right. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, that's the House. All right, that's Congress. Okay, now, oh, now I got what's going on here. <laughs>
1: now it all makes sense. I yeah. get it. Uh, yeah, so you. But, yeah, so
2: best case scenario, I got the Giants five? a five-win team. Yeah. Worst case, man, they'll probably two, three wins. At, we'll go yeah. two wins because that's more realistic for yeah. them, honestly.
1: I think so, too. It's going to be rough sledding yeah. in New York. Last but not least, the Washington football team. I mean, it's like the division of new – you know what? The more and more I look at this, you're right. This is setting up well for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of new coaches in their division, a lot of question marks in their division. The Washington football team. I mean, these guys have a new head coach. They don't even have a nickname yet, Arthur Motes. They, they just do. Got They're guys. the
2: Washington football team,
1: Washington man. FT, baby. I love it. 3-13 and 13 last year. Oh, I will say this: Ron Rivera at the helm. Ah, uh-huh. I see where you're going. Like, I I don't think this team's ever gonna quit on him or anything like that, uh-huh. right? Like, they might have, like some of the Gruden teams might have done in the past. Right. I don't think it's gonna get much better. I don't think it's gonna get much worse. Um. <laughs> so you know what? I don't think there's gonna be much of a gap here. Like, I think ceiling for this team is four wins. I think floor for this team is three wins. Like I think they're going to be just about where they were last year. They might be a game better. <sighs> I mean, even if I'm going, be- if Haskins gets better, if Chase Young is like defensive rookie of the year, uh huh. I- I- are they really going to win much more than four games?
2: So this is this is my thing. With the Giants, you said what six wins? I did. We flip flop. Okay. I think the Washington football team could be a six one okay. team. But the biggest thing is the Ron Rivera addition. Hmm. When you talk about an experienced coach, I'm more confident in Ron, I'm more confident in Ron Rivera than I am in Mike McCarthy. I know people will point to McCarthy and say, well, he won a Super Bowl. I still feel Aaron Rodgers was a lot more responsible than necessarily McCarthy. That defense was pretty good no too. No question, whereas with Rivera We know, I mean, what he's been able to accomplish with Cam and how it was people that doubted if Cam could even be good and how he was able to formulate and transform and get that thing rolling down there. Obviously, the defenses in Carolina were good. I mean, were borderline great year in and year out. I'm very confident in Ron Rivera. I'm very confident in Adrian Peterson. Now, I understand they're going to have a different running back situation now because no more Darius Geis, but Adrian Peterson is a guy that we know. He's like your Frank Gore. He's steady, at, he's Super consistent. Even though he's a little long in the tooth now, he's still gonna produce. That's what he does. I do think defensively there will be a lot better with Ruben Foster being back out there. Obviously, Chase Young is gonna be a huge addition, but I could see them winning six games the, for the reason that we said, the reason that you said you think the Giants would win six. I see that for hmm. the Washington Football Team, whereas with the Giants. Because of that, Coach element, I just yeah. don't see them being able to accomplish no, that.
1: Yeah, I, I see what you. Like, so you're put like where I was putting more stock into the quarterback. You're putting right. more stock, putting stock into in, the head coach. Absolutely, and that, it because makes sense.
2: That that changes everything, man. It changes everything in terms of how you, what is, what is your teaching progression? Right. Again, during, during this time
1: frame, unprecedented right times. Yeah, and, and a lot and it's of true. times. I mean, it is like I'm yeah. I'm being a goofball, but it is. I mean, this absolutely. is absolutely. Mike Tomlin said he estimated they lost 900 snaps this offseason. That's Mm -hmm. one thing for a team with the continuity of the Steelers. It's another for a team with the
2: turnover of a Washington or a New York. Absolutely, and and I feel like in situations like that, you look to the guy that's at the head of the ship, and that's Ron Rivera. And Ron, like I said, is way more established as a head coach, has way more of a track record of success as a head coach. I mean, he's done it all except
1: for the Super Bowl ring.
2: Absolutely, and and even there, I mean, he still made it to He's the game there, and, yeah. and, and had an opportunity to win it,
1: like the new Andy Reid kind of in that yeah. regard.
2: So I feel, I feel that he will be able to prioritize what needs to be taught, what needs to take a front seat in terms of installation, in terms of the tempo, in terms of, all right, we got this much time to prepare. Right. What do I need to have out there? What can't <laughs> take a back seat? Whereas a guy like Joe Judge, he's not going to really, he's going to be trying to emulate what he saw Belichick do. And we've seen how many assistants try to emulate Belichick, and then they realize, oh, I'm not Belichick. Oh, I don't understand situational football the way he does. Oh, I don't scare my players with this whole I'm <laughs> um, super militant approach, so that's not going to work for me. So that's another reason why with Washington, I'm like, yeah, I think this team can find a way to get six wins out of it. Now, I still think at worst case, three wins, at, and that's absolutely the low ball case. But I just think with Ron Rivera, man, he's going to have those guys prepared to go. And I think also with the Washington football team, those players are going to be fired up too because as much of the, the slack and flack and everything that the – The Washington Football Team has had to endure of lately. Those players are going to be saying to themselves, "Man, I cannot wait to get out here and ball up." Because they've had they've had to hear the criticism. They had to hear, I mean, news people. It was essentially telling them, "If they don't change names, you shouldn't play this year." Yeah. I mean, when it gets to that point, you're just like, "All right, man, I need to do something to kind of just take our mind off of this. Let's get back to football." Right. So those guys are going to be chomping at the bit as well, man. So that's why I think it could be a scenario where they go out there and and, Mm. and have some success this year, especially in that division.
1: Now, that's a good call by you. Maybe it's some of that, right? Um, the whole control what you can control thing, right? Mm-hmm. That this off season, there's been a lot out of the control of the Washington players, but right. But once that ball's kicked off, once the season starts, that's what they can control. Now I like that by you. There's some solid logic there in, in the head coach and in all of that stuff. I, I think that's fair.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I'm just looking at the roster. I'm like, Sean Davis, that's going to be a huge addition in the the secondary. Ronald Darby, we know he could be successful when he's healthy. Thomas Davis, another guy, went healthy, and he's back reunited with Ron Rivera. Ruben Foster, I tell you, I'm extremely high on him. I mean, from his time I loved him coming out of college. Kendall Fuller, he's not going to be the all-pro, but he's still going to be a really good corner out there. Like, you need players like that. Dwayne Haskins or Cal Allen, you got your question marks, but – Now with Alex Smith coming back in the fold, Ron Rivera already said, if Alex is good to go, he's going to be in the mix. And apparently he has passed all his medical stuff. (laughs) Which is crazy. So that changes a ton when you're talking about the quarterback position. I'm a lot more confident if Alex Smith is healthy than Dwayne Haskins or Kyle Allen. For sure. Like, it's not even a debate to me in that department. They can win seven or eight games if if Alex Smith is there, That changes everything, man. So that's why for me, I'm like, Ryan Kerrigan, another guy, we know when healthy Mm – he he's one of the 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 premier edge rushers this is what he does and then from a receiver Jonathan Allen still out there absolutely then a receiver standpoint you know what Terry McLaurin what we can do man like scary Terry like when I'm looking at some of these names I'm like they no, have they pieces have some talent they do they and a lot of people have overlooked them a lot of people think like oh man they're not gonna be anything I'm like with Ron Rivera at the helm that changes a ton Yes, it does. That changes a ton. This is not your typical Washington football team that has a in their coach, or now is this guy coach, now is that guy coach. Like, no, nah, no. Nah, Ron, Ron, knows his stuff. Yes, he does. No, no gimmicks. He, he's not. He's not a product of just a quarterback. No, no, no. He he knows his stuff, and he's gonna produce in that regard. So that's why I think that they're gonna definitely surprise some teams, man.
1: Maybe that division is more intriguing than I was given a credit for before we started.
2: Sweet. I mean, yeah, yeah my, sweat,
1: sweet. sweat. I say it yeah. all the time, bro. Sweet feet,
2: sweet
3: feet.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. They got some names. Yeah, I mean for sure, particularly on the defensive side of
2: the football. Defensively, man. A I, lot of
1: first round picks. A lot of pedigree guys. Not, on, not to on that mention that my football. young boy
2: Jimmy Moreland out there too, men In the second That's day, right. baby. he balled out as a rookie. That's Brinks J M U D. You Arthur. still got Landon Collins. I forgot all about Landon him.
1: Collins too. Yeah, no, there's there is definitely talent on that roster for sure. They 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 got the right head coach. I think if they can get the quarterback situation figured out, you know what? Maybe maybe you got me singing a different tune. Maybe they will be all right.
2: Bostic at interior line. Hey. That, that gives you a little more stability too, man. He's not he's not a world beater, but Formally he's a guy that this, you can win with.
1: Formerly of this parish, John Bostic, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR Motsy. I believe it was two weeks ago we did our top 10 cornerbacks in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. And you had one Stephen Nelson in your top 10. I
2: did. How he, could you not?
1: He spoke to the Pittsburgh media earlier today. One of the things that he was asked about was about his kind of standing, his pecking order mm-hmm. within cornerbacks in the National Football League. And he spoke about how, you know what, I think I'm a little underrated, but that's all right. I'm going to continue. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to ball out. Maybe we've done a little bit of a disservice mm. because Stephen Nelson spoke at 11 o'clock this morning. It's now, it's almost 4.20. It's 4.19 here on Steelers Nation Ready Up oh, as the clock goes to 4.20 right there. So it's been what? It's been five hours and 20 minutes since Stephen Nelson spoke. And we haven't played that audio here on SNR. So you know what? Let's remedy that on the other side. We'll hear from Stephen Nelson and we'll discuss the Steelers' talented corner when we return. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler, and you are listening to the Steelers' Blitz on SNR. <laughs>
0: With Wesley Euler and Arthur Moats on your 24-7 Home of the Black and Gold SNR.
1: This hour, number three inside the electric factory at Steelers Blitz on SNR. Another 60 minutes to go before Mike Pursuta, Dale Lolly, and Matt Williamson take you home with the training camp report. Arthur Moats, it's time to get into it, right? Our final other kind of topic we're kicking around this week bounce back candidates for 2020. Uh, we're not going to get through the entire AFC here because we do still want to uh, to hear from Terrell Austin before we get out of here, as well as get to your tweets from the day. So, Arthur Motes, I think we've got time to do one or two divisions here in the AFC. I mean, it is 5 o'clock. It is 5 o'clock. We're going to be cutting it close. So, let's go alphabetically by division. All
2: right. Here we go now.
1: A-F-C East.
2: Hmm. And if we're sticking with
1: alphabetically, that means we start with your Buffalo Bills. Arthur Motes, they've got some good candidates, the Buffalo Bills do. Despite, again, like we said, for these teams that made the playoffs a lot of time, it's hard to find bounce-back candidates. This is a low-hanging fruit one because he's new, not because of an injury, but because he's being reunited with his former defensive coordinator. I think Josh Norman, alongside of Tradavis White, in a familiar system, is due to have a bounce-back year. Uh, I realize he's 32 years old, which, you know, again, corner— I say what you what you got to say about
2: people that's 32 years old? Position
1: of athleticism, right? And if you lose a half a step at corner, that can be a big deal. Uh, But according to Pro Football Focus, and, you know, we kind of— sometimes we put stock into what they say, sometimes not, right? It's an evaluation tool. He had the fifth highest grade in man-to-man coverage, did the 32-year-old Norman Motsi. I I don't know how much juice he's got left in the tank, but I think he does have juice left in the tank. Enough so, at least for one more run on that defense uh, next to Tredavis White. I think Josh Norman will have a nice year this year for the Buffalo Bills. I think he will bounce back nicely. Not going to look like he did you know, during his peak in 2015 in Carolina when he was arguably the best corner in the NFL. But I think he'll have a nice season.
2: You know, when I think back on Josh Norman, how many years did he really have like that in Carolina,
1: though? Like two.
2: At best? Yeah.
1: I mean, but he wasn't a Jay-Z song, so...
2: I know, but I feel like that's a lot of cred. I feel like those one and a half years. He's been riding that. for a while. Really, yeah. Cause I'm over here like, when when have I felt that other than that? Like he was just super consistent, just flat out balls out, and all this other stuff. I'm like, I don't, I don't really get that from him. He's but a F-
1: is he FCS guy? Yeah, he's FCS. Yeah, he went Coastal, to uh, Coastal Carolina. Coastal
2: Carolina. Yeah, shout out to Coastal Carolina. Coastal. I remember when we played then when they had a uh, Tolbert. Oh yeah. yeah. They've hey. got a
1: couple. They've got a couple NFL guys. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we, we uh, dropped
1: fifty on him just for the record. He's been a he was in 2015. Arthur Motes. He was a Pro Bowler and an All Pro, but that's the only season that he's ever had those type of accolades.
2: He only has one Pro Bowl,
1: one Pro Bowl, one All Pro, and it was both in 2015.
2: Yeah. So with that being said, he's man, no <laughs>
1: Richard Sherman. He's no Darrell Rivas. He's no Stephon Gilmore. I think with no that we, Pat Pete, he's no that. Pat Pete. Yeah, yeah, I think we can. I think we can agree upon that.
2: Yeah, but for me, man, the guy that I'm pointing to is one of my former teammates, my 5'5 five five brother, Mr. Jerry Hughes. Uh, played a full 16-game season last year, but he had a down year in terms of his overall effectiveness rushing the passer. Now, they were asking him to do a little bit of things differently and be a part of more of a rotation. But four and a half sacks for Jerry is, is, is not enough, man. At worst, Jerry should have seven sacks, but he's a double-digit sack guy. That's his productivity. And then also, not just double-digit sacks, but double digits and quarterback hits. The year prior to this, so 2018, he had seven sacks, but he had 18 quarterback hits. was extremely productive in the run game. Last year, four and a half sacks, he only had nine quarterback hits. That's just not enough productivity for Jerry Hughes, especially when you're talking about the contract that he has, and especially when you're talking about what that team is expecting from him. Granted, he's going to have, I want to say it's what, Trent Murphy. I want to say on the opposite of him. That sounds right, yeah. uh, Yeah, so so excuse me, it is Trent Murphy. that will be opposite of him. And then they also just uh, drafted in the second round A.J. Epinesa. Yep. But overall, Jerry has to be the guy. Jerry has to be the leader of that defensive front. There is no more Lorenzo Alexander, so you can't depend on the old, you know, warship to come out there and get you a smooth six, seven sacks. It has to be Jerry. He has to find the fountain of youth. He has to ultimately become back inspired with his play. Not saying that he wasn't inspired because Jerry, anybody that watched Jerry, he's an extremely emotional player. Sometimes he gets you pa- uh, gets you a couple personal foul pins because <laughs> of how he talks to the officials. He's too passionate at times. But either way, he has to be the guy to to have a bounce back season in order for them to continue to go where they want to go.
1: I think that's a good call by you. I do think that's a good call, and you should know. I mean, those you know that's that's your old that's your old, uh, that's yeah, your them, old them congregation. God, you know yeah. what I'm saying? The Miami Dolphins. Not only was he my
2: teammate, I'm a locker mate. We
1: shared a locker for multiple years up there, man. It's a good call. That's a good call. Miami Dolphins. Arthur Motes Bounce back candidates for the Miami Dolphins. Now, this is kind of the opposite of the Bills. There are plenty of viable candidates on the Miami Dolphins. Uh and I'm not going to go with some of the uh the additions that they made right and some of those guys. Um <sighs> I mean, do you I mean,
2: you could pick whoever you want to pick. This is bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, Xavier Howard is kind of the low-hanging fruit. I think we could talk about Devontae Parker, too, and and maybe the quarterback situation, you know, if Tua comes in in a few weeks. and man, I don't know. You know, I'd like to say Mike Gesecki too, but I don't think he counts in this conversation because he's more of a breakout candidate, not a bounce-back candidate. All right, Arthur Motz, this is harder than I thought it would be. Hmm... Hmm, 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 hmm. You know who I'm going to go with, actually? You know who I think could have a decent bounce-back season? Who? How about Alan Hearns? Hmm, okay. Again, not. I don't think he's going to go out there and be an all-pro or anything like that, but he's a guy who's had a 1,000-yard rece- receiving season before in his career. He's a guy who's had double-digit touchdown seasons. Last year, he had only a little over uh, 400 yards and had two touchdowns. Now, uh, some of that was because of injury. He did miss two games due to injury. Um, but, again, I think the offensive line there is an imp- is, an, is improved. The defense has improved. Uh, year two under Flores, whether it is Ryan Fitzmagic, whether it's Tua Heck, whether even Josh Rosen. Eh, who am I kidding? He's not going to get in there for a little bit. But I think their pass game will be more productive. I'll go with Alan
2: Hearns. Yeah, this is tough. Because um, initially I thought Bobby McCain just because of the injuries and stuff like that. But I'm going to cheat here, man. The same guy that I said. Is the breakout candidate the same guy I feel needs to have <laughs> a bounce back candidate? That's Christian Wilkins, man. Ooh. When you draft this high as he was drafted, the expectations are what the expectations are. And we talked about it a little bit. We talked about being a, a guy that has to have a breakout season. 16 games last year, the productivity just wasn't there. And now he was good in the run game in terms of having 56 tackles, but from a a quarterback standpoint, getting after the quarterback, disrupting pass plays, two sacks, four QB hits, over 16 games. That is not enough. No, it is not. I don't care if you're only playing first and second down. You still got to cook more than that, baby. So he's the one that I say has to, you know, be the, 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 the most in line to have a bounce back season because that's that was just a very bad first season. Now, And I understand, too, that from a first season standpoint, he went into a very bad situation. Yes, he did. But I still need more from you, Bill <laughs> Still need more from
1: you. Yeah, I I think that's fair by you. Uh, that's definitely a good call. The New England Patriots. And I'm not going to say Cam Newton because that's cheating. That's too easy. Too easy. Arthur Motz, I'm going to go with another wide receiver. How about
2: Mohamed Sanu? Oh, you took the words of my mouth. Yeah, I
1: mean, <laughs> I mean, we could talk about any of their wide receivers. Really, yeah. I mean, I think you can talk about Julian Edelman, honestly, too. But Sanu is a guy that we know is talented. We, a guy that I think we both agree, there's a reason the Patriots, who don't do this type of thing, gave up a second-round pick for this guy. Absolutely, it's because they believed he still had plenty in the tank. That he wasn't just going to be a one-year, you know, solution. That they believed that he'd be a part of the team for a while going forward. Uh, he's very talented. Um, I do think you and I anticipate that it'll be Cam Newton's job at some point, even if it's not right away in week one necessarily. I think that'll that'll bode well for Sanu.
2: Yeah, without a doubt, man. Mohamed Sanu is the guy. I thought Nikhil Harry, but I said, man, he's not only was his first year last year, but he's more in the sense of like the Bobby McCain type Missed a, time, uh, missed a ton of time because mm-hmm. of injury. Let, so from a, evaluating how good he can be or where he's at, it's a little difficult. It's a little more difficult because he doesn't have the same body of work. But with Muhammad Sanu, I mean, let's be real about it, man. You, <laughs> When the Patriots made that trade, everybody was assuming like, oh, okay, they found their weapon. Mm-hmm. He's the guy. Because he's been successful before. It's not like Muhammad Sanu has never – then the number one receiver on the team or has never been successful. He has all those qualities. But now, yeah, he, he's the guy. He has to have a bounce back season. He has to emerge as true wide receiver number one up there. I mean, I understand people will say, well, Julian Edelman is wide receiver one. It's, he's still operating out of the slot, though. We ne- right. You need that true outside threat. Stretch the field. And, and, and you can't wait for Nikhil Harry. You don't know what that's going to be just because, like I said, he's a rookie. Rookies are hit or miss. Well, And now he's going to a second year, so it's still hit or miss with his development and things like that because of the lack of offseason. But Muhammad Sanu has to be the guy. Muhammad Sanu has to emerge and show that, hey, I'm back to form. I'm back to being the guy that you traded away draft picks for.
1: I think so. I think so too and Arthur Motes with this last team I think we might agree on this one too talking about the New Jersey I mean the New York J-E-T-S Jets 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 formerly of this parish number 26 in your programs for a long time he was number one in your hearts no more wow
2: my 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 how the tides have turned
1: and he was down last year but Arthur Motes I think with that talent I don't know how long he can stay down I think Lev Bell's gonna have a good season for the Jets. I do. Uh, you know, again, there's some other candidates we could go with, but in terms of a true bounce back, right? Like a guy who had an underwhelming season, not because necessarily because of injury or things like that, uh, that I think will have a much better year. I, I do. I just I realize it's been now two years removed since we've seen him have a good season in the NFL, but I think he's plenty got plenty of tread left on those tires. And I think he's going to have to feature in that offense Well, to you a, say to a two seasons,
2: but only one playing season, because remember, the other right? year he just sat out.
1: Right, so that's what yeah. I mean. It's not like he had two bad years. That, right. That's where I'm giving him. He's still got the tread on his tires. He should be healthy. Um. Hey, every athlete looks good when they work out, but, I mean, he's looked really good in some of these workout videos that they've been posting. Yeah. This is maybe another low-hanging fruit one for the Jets, because he's kind of the big-name guy on the offense. But uh, for me, it's, it's obviously Lev Bell.
2: Yeah, I like the Lev Bell pick a lot. And... For me, man, I was torn between him and Sam Darnold. The difference in terms of why I'm gonna go with El Bell is because L Bell has proven that he can be an elite talent. He's proven that he could be a top two, top three running back in this league. And he showed it for multiple years. When we talk about a guy like Sam Darnold, when have we seen him do anything to make you say, Oh yeah, he can be an elite guy? He's had double digit uh interceptions in both his seasons, fifteen his rookie year, where he played what? 13 games, 13 starts. And then identical 2019, 13 games, 13 starts. He had 13 picks. Now, the only difference was he had 17 touchdowns in that first year he had 19 in the second year. I don't know. I mean, we're, we're hoping and projecting that he could be yeah. better and we think he will be better. But based off what we know right now, there isn't anything that lets you think otherwise. We're well, with Bell. We saw the contract he got. It's a reason why the Steelers wanted to retain their services and they made an offer to him. It's a reason why the Jets brought him in because of what he's able to do. We know this. He has to be the guy. Yeah. Elbow has to be the guy. And when you look at how they revamped the offensive line, they, like I said, Darnold's going to be there the whole season as well. Mm-hmm. Everything is pointing in line for Elbow to have a nice bounce back season. And in the situation is perfect in terms of, Hey, we talked about in an offseason season like this, you lean on what you know. You lean on, hey, running game. Let's, let's dump it off to him in the backfield, similar to what we saw with uh, Daniel Jones doing to uh, Saquon Barkley mm-hmm. in terms of getting the ball early out the mm-hmm. backfield, letting him go to work. I can see the exact same scenario playing out in New York, or excuse me, in New in New Jersey <laughs> with young Le'Veon Bell.
1: I think so too. Uh, I think it's it's got to work for him there this year, right? Or else, cool. Oh, they're gonna be in trouble. They're gonna, gonna be, they're gonna be in trouble. I would say he's
2: gonna be fine because that money guaranteed, yeah, was, baby. That's what I was thinking. He's not, he, he's not
1: tripping. That's exactly what he wanted was that, that guaranteed money.
2: Di- difference between rolling guarantees and full guarantees. Rolling guarantee, they can change their mind. They can say, you know what, Bell, you're not producing the same way. We're gonna roll you on off the books. <laughs> roll you on out of here, <laughs> and, and you go on about your business. The fans still love you though. <laughs> or you got the full guarantee where Elbel's like, I don't care about a fan. I don't care about an organization. You can do what you want. Just make sure to check in the mail. i am be on somebody's island drinking one of them drinks with the little umbrella in it. That's what, mm. what Elbel's on
1: right now. Yo, one of those drinks sounds really good right now. I mean, look <laughs> outside, Moatsy. Beautiful. Not many clouds in the sky. Rare occasion right now, man. I tell you what, I could go for a drink with an umbrella in it. Well, I got a couple more hours, and then we can get out of here. There here we, we go. go. 45 more minutes of the show. Boom. Arthur Moats, Wesley Euler. This is the Steelers Blitz on SN. On the other side here, we'll hear from Terrell Austin. We talked a lot about the Steelers' secondary today. We'll hear from the guy who is the conductor and instructor of the Steelers' secondary on the other side. Also, reminder, we've got a poll up on the Steelers Nation Radio Twitter account, at Radio. Who are you most excited of these four to watch in 2020? Juju, Edmonds, Connor. Or Bud Dupree. I had to pause there for a second. I could <laughs> think. Wait a second. Who's the fourth? Oh, yeah, like, big, man, bud. Big, bud. big bud. Big bud. Big bud. Don't this. worry, we're there. Vote on that poll uh, again. That's on the Steelers Nation Radio Twitter account. You can also tweet Mozi and I at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. We'll hear from Terrell Austin next, and we will have your reaction at the end of the hour. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR.
0: This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
1: Spent a lot of time on the program today talking about the pittsburgh steelers secondary the man who is in charge of the secondary Terrell austin he spoke to the pittsburgh media for the first time this offseason and i talked about this moatsy right like you thought steven nelson sounded excited for football uh, we heard from dave DeCastro, ben roethlisberger a lot of guys who have sounded excited for football Wait till you hear from Terrell Austin
2: here. Absolutely.
1: I mean, this, say he is like, not literally, but almost literally licking his lips, getting mm-hmm. ready to work with this secondary and the potential that they have. So here's Terrell Austin. Take a listen.
3: We'll get started here with Brian Bechtel of the Post Gazette. Brian, go ahead.
1: Hey, what's up, Terrell? Thanks for doing this.
3: Yeah, No problem. How are you doing?
1: Good. Um, I think when we talked to you after the draft, uh, specifically when you guys took Antoine Brooks in the sixth round, you said we'll just have to kind of get all those guys, those versatile players in your secondary, shake them up and, and see where they fit best. Uh, mm-hmm. After having them in the classroom all off season and now getting a little bit of interaction uh, with him and some of the other uh, newer guys, I mean, do you have a better feel for uh, responsibilities or assignments or, or how uh, some of your safeties can be used the best?
3: Uh- not quite yet because we haven't seen them move around. But I think learning-wise, I think you have an idea uh, that, that they can learn. And uh, so that's a good thing. And I think once we uh, get going, uh, because of the unusual offseason uh, that it, that we've had, uh, I don't think we're going to be double teaching a lot of new guys and doing some different things. So we'll probably just kind of keep our guys uh, strapped into one position and let them learn. Uh, the veteran guys may get some more, but the newer guys, he'll probably just get strapped into probably a safety type position and, and, and go from there. Thanks. Yep. All right. Let's move on to Tim Benz with the trip, Tim. we
0: about uh, actually two guys, Terrell, if that's okay. Uh, the first of which is Cam Sutton. Uh, do you yeah. see not a larger role this year? And if so, where exactly? And when it comes to Edmonds. What can you do to uh, maybe get him around the football more often?
3: Uh, The first one with Cam Sutton, I think, uh, uh, yeah, Cam will have an expanded role. I would think in terms of, you know, he still uh, plays some nickel for us. He plays some dime for us. He plays a lot, plays corner for us. He's played some safety for us. So uh, he's got a lot of versatility. Super smart guy. So uh, I think we'll just carve out his role as it goes during the during the season, and uh, and we try to get him in there as many times we can as we can, because he is a really good pass defender and he has a great feel for the pass game. Uh, as far as carving out a separate type of role, uh, no, I don't think so. I just think we just try to give him a little bit more of what we did last year uh, in some of those instances. Uh, for T. Edmonds, uh, I think he knows that, and we know that uh, he, he's a good football player. We just got to get him a little bit more ball production. And so we'll, we'll spend our, uh, you know, as we get going here in terms of uh, – Catching the ball, getting around the ball, stripping the ball, uh, fumble recoveries—all those things—and we'll just continue to practice So I'm sure they'll come uh, because the kid works hard. He's around the ball. He's always available. He's out there every snap, and and those things will come. So the biggest thing we got to do is just continue to work on it, uh, and and when he gets near the ball, to just to to make sure he has that production that we need, because that's really the only thing that was that was lacking out of his game last year was the fact that you didn't see very much ball production. But other than that, the guy is always around the ball. He's good players, good leaders, a great teammate. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, Tim. Let's move on to Jeff Hathorne with 93.7 The Fan. Jeff?
1: Hey, Terrell. Appreciate you doing this. Yep.
3: Oh, no problem.
0: Um, I'm just wondering for the depth that you have, how do you feel overall about the depth in the secondary, and how do you try to get them – reps without
1: preseason games how do you try to make up for that lost experience
3: well i think um, we do have an experienced group and uh, the nice thing is i think some of our uh, veteran guys you know when you've played a lot of a a lot of snaps sometimes you don't need as much warm-up and so we'll get them what they need to be ready and then i think that gives us an opportunity to have some extra reps for some of the younger guys that we're trying to train and trying to give them some looks. So I think there's going to be enough reps in there. Is it ideal? No, but that's kind of where we are right now. And we're going to make the best of it, and I think our guys will, will make the best of it. But that's really what we're doing. I think uh, you know Joe Hayden doesn't need 500 preseason snaps. Uh, Steve Nelson doesn't need that. Uh, Minka and, and TE don't need all those snaps. They, those guys have played a lot of snaps in the last couple of years. And so we, got, we just have to make sure we get those guys ready so when we step out on the field and, and game one, those that group is ready. But also uh, spending some of this camp to being able to develop and identify which of our young guys will be backups and which you know to provide depth for us. Thanks, Jeff. We move on to Mike Brizuda with DVE. Mike, go ahead. Hello, Terrell. How you doing? Hey, Mike. With Fitzpatrick, he had so many turnovers right away, and then he didn't get very many at the end. To what extent did you see teams avoid him, and are you guys trying to scheme up ways to get him around the ball more in response to that? Obviously, hes I think he's a phenomenal football player. Um, checks all the boxes. Um, made a lot of, actually, like you said, a lot of turnovers early, and then teams tried to stay away from him. And I I think that's just a testament to when you're a good player, a lot of times you don't get all that action. And so I think what we'll do is uh, we'll maybe be able to move him around a little bit more, you know, because what you, you know, getting them week three, like we did last year's a little bit, Uh, you're just trying to throw them in and just trying to make sure that we get lined up and all that other stuff. Um, But I think this off season has been helpful for us and for him and for the group, because we've been able to talk some things out, um, And really get down into the details of of, of our defense, and I think that'll give him a little bit more ability to maybe show up in a couple of different positions than he was last year, uh, which will help him get around the ball a little bit more and keep that that, that production. Thank you. All right, let's go to Dale Lally with DK Pittsburgh Sports. Dale, are you on? I'm on. Um, Hey, Terrell, uh, when you look at uh, last year, I added it up, you guys had a more than a touchdown lead last year, uh, just over 100 minutes of, of, of gameplay last year with with more than a two touchdown lead, but you were st- or more than a
0: one touchdown lead, but you were still able to get so many turnovers. Uh, can it be
3: even better if your offense provides you with more, you know, a little more firepower there that, that that you guys can actually get after the ball a little bit in terms of the guys up front and maybe the the opposing teams have to throw the ball more at you guys. Yeah, I think that's always – when you're playing with the lead and and you know that teams are one-dimensional, then your uh, ability to get turnovers, I think, increases. And so uh, if that happens, uh, that'll be great. If it doesn't, then it's our job to get the ball back in these tight games, and and we're going to try to get after that ball no matter what. So I think uh, our guys are determined uh, to make sure that we play better than we did last year and, and, and get more turnovers and be more impactful on the games than we were last year, and that's really our charge. But yes, to, to answer your question, uh, if you are playing with the lead and, and they have, they are one-dimensional. Your, opp- your your opportunity for turnovers goes up. Let's go to Ed Bouchette with the Athletic. Ed, go.
1: Um, how does this secondary compare to the ones you had in Baltimore? Acknowledging you had a Hall of Famer down there.
3: Yeah. Uh I think there's a lot of similarities, uh, you know, and not to get into player by player, but I think there's similarities in terms of how our guys communicate. Um, I think the one thing that I, that I that's very uh, similar is I think both of those secondaries, uh, they're really good problem solvers. So you don't see a lot of the same mistakes happen twice. Uh, they're able to fix things during the course of a game. And I think that's, that's one of the uh, – those are something that's really, really good to have as a coach because then you're not sitting there trying to fix everything. Those guys, they know when they made a mistake, they know what they did wrong, they know how to fix it, they know when something's good and working, and when to use it. And so I think those are those are two real good similarities that between the two secondaries that that, that I've had that I see. Excuse me. Let's go to uh, Brooke Pryor with ESPN, Brooke.
1: Hey, T.A., you know, you mentioned that having veterans, they don't necessarily need all of the, the normal preseason snaps that they would get because they have the experience. How much does it help to have those veteran guys to teach some of the younger ones, in this case, when they've had an abbreviated offseason and you maybe can't get in front of them as much as you would like to? How much are you kind of relying on some of these, you know, uh, extra workouts that they've done? in the off season away
3: from everybody or them just talking amongst themselves to, to teach each other? Uh, it, it's invaluable. I think that uh, good veteran leadership, you can't have enough of that in your room. And I think we have that uh, with, you know, Joe's a veteran, Steve's a veteran. And, you know, Minka and T.E. are younger guys, uh, but but they've played a lot of snaps. So they they actually, you know, they give back to the guys in there so that we all, we're all on the same page. And I really think that's something that uh, – the veterans do and when you have an unselfish group of veterans they're really going to pull the young guys along because they know in the long run we're only going to be as good as as all of the guys in the room so they want these young guys to reach their potential. They're not trying uh, to not give them information and let them learn it on their own. They want them to be really good and they want them to be, to be so good that they're pushing the vets because they know that makes us, that gives us a chance to be the best team and our and our guys have done a great job of that. Thanks.
1: Hmm.
3: Let's go to Mark Caboli with The Athletic. Mark. Um, in your experience as a defensive coordinator, how much did you welcome position coaches' input on game plans? And conversely, as a position coach, was it sometimes hard to chime in with ideas in terms of uh, game planning? Uh, no, when I was a coordinator, I, I wanted input. You, you want to have input, especially from your position coaches. Uh, in the game plan and what we're going to do, and what their their position needed, because uh, as a coordinator, sometimes I'm looking at the big picture, and I don't kind of maybe I didn't see everything that a, a certain position group needed, and it was up to the coach to make sure they brought the ideas they brought what those guys needed to me, and I and welcome that because you need to be able to put that together because you know you don't want to put something out on the field and, and the position coach never told you that hey our guys aren't real comfortable with that they didn't like that. Uh, so you got to have that input, and here there's no problem. Uh, we all have input in what we do because Mike, and I'm sure you've heard Mike, he doesn't care where a good idea comes from, and so that allows us to make sure that you know, uh, and that's really just the indicator to let us know that hey, listen, he wants our input because it's important to what we do. It's a group effort to get the best out of all of our guys, and so uh, I don't, I don't ever think that was ever an issue when I was a coordinator or being here as an assistant. All right. Let's move on to Rich Walsh with
1: KDKA. Rich, are you on? Yeah. Hey, Terrell. Uh, we just talked to Steve, and he said he felt maybe a little underrated at times. What does he do, and what kind of impact does he make on this defense? Maybe in in the in the secondary to allow you to maybe do more, be more aggressive.
3: Yeah. Steve. Steve is a good player. He is. Uh, you know, he likes to be underrated because that gives him that little chip he needs. I like <laughs> and I like that. Uh, But Steve Steve is a good player. What he does is uh, what you're going to get from Steve, you're getting at every game. He is a tremendous worker, tremendous pro. So when you have a guy like that, you don't worry about what you're putting in and how you're putting in uh, or how you're putting it in uh, or what you're going to do because you know he's going to execute that fairly at a fairly high level. And I think that's the one thing that that he does. He plays and his level of play does not fluctuate very much week to week. And when I say that, that's in a good way because his play, he's got a high level of play, which you feel confident and comfortable with what's going on. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll move on to Jim Wexel with 247 Sports. Jim. Okay. Okay, Terrell. Um, you want to get Minka around the ball uh, more, and that's completely understandable. But what else have you got for a center fielder? I mean, you kind of need that yin and yang, don't you? You do, and I like to have that. But it, it doesn't mean you can't switch it up and do different things at, at times. I mean, that just can't be your our, – our main mode of operation is not going to be Minka down around the box and Terrell Edmonds in the middle of the field because that's not that's not a good plan for us. Uh, but I think there's you can pick and choose your spots Uh, to move people around and get them into different spots to, to, you know, facilitate uh, maybe getting Minka around the ball or putting them in some spots that uh, the offense isn't used to. All right, let's go to Aubrey Bruce with the Sentinel. Aubrey. on to jenna harner with wpxi jenna are you on yes can you hear me yes beautiful terrell we kind of were getting a lot of talk from the guys just about how much of a mental escape this being back on the field kind of provides what have you kind of seen from them in terms of their energy and their demeanor as they've kind of you know been here for a couple weeks now you can tell they haven't been around football because they uh they're chomping at the bit it's been good our meetings have been great very, very engaged because it's not like uh, the the long haul. They know everything's got to be done here in a short period of time, and our guys are engaged. Our meetings are fresh. They're, they're, the guys are asking lots of questions when we get out on the field. Uh, the chatter's good. You know, it's uh, you know not a lot of distractions, and I and the energy's been really good, really nice. And I know, I feel the same way. It's always it's great to be back around the guys. And be in that room with them. And I'm sure they feel that way too. You know, it's good to be around all their friends, their teammates, and, and the entire team getting ready for something. And I think that's you can you can see that, and you can feel it. All right, we'll wrap it up with the uh, DD Kingwellbala of the NFL Network. DD, are you on? Right? I am. I am. There we go. Hi. Hello. Um, You started by talking about the young guys and wanting to have them provide some depth and figure out who can be your backup. So what's the key in evaluating that when you don't have them under the lights and you're somewhat limited in what you can do with them physically? And then the second part of this, you gave a great answer about how these guys compare with Ed Reed and the Ravens secondary. What's fun about this group? You've been doing this since 1991. What about this group stands out? <laughs> God, I'm why do you dare like that? That's <laughs> awful. <laughs> All right, give me the first part of the question again. These young okay, guys, you I think what we're going to do is, I, got, I think i got to hear you. The young guys, the thing we'll do with the young guys is you just got to put them in as many stressful situations in practice as possible
0: and as many game-like
3: situations as you can just to see how they react and kind of get an idea of what you're going to get. Uh, obviously, the preseason games you'll miss you'll miss those things. Uh, but there's things that you can do that you can have a pretty good idea because I think even when you have preseason, a lot of times you'll see guys and they'll they'll show things in practice. and when they get to the game, those same things shows up, good or bad. So I think we can we can manufacture that. We just don't have as much time as normal. Um, what's fun about this group? Uh, this this group is good because I think I have a couple young guys that think they're old in Minka and Te. They think they're like 30, 35 year old guys and they're kind of you know hey I'm in mean, there and then I got young I got older guys like Joe and Steve and they're like rookies and they bouncing around in our room so it's kind of neat that to, to watch the personalities with the guys but no they it's a really uh, the you know the really good group in terms of how the different mixtures of personalities and how they get along. And I think that's that's important because I think, you know, we spend so much time together, uh, in here on the field. That if you don't have that, those different personalities, you can't have all the same guys. If you don't have those different personalities and those different things working together, then it can be a it can be a grind to be in the room. And uh, these guys, it's not at all. It's 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 a very enjoyable group. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you for your time.
1: That was Steelers secondary coach Terrell Austin with members of the Pittsburgh Sports Media earlier today. Motsi, he's ready to go, man. He's ready to get to work with that talented secondary.
2: Listen, man, you talk about probably the most exciting guy in the building. (laughs) It's got to be between him and Canada or him and Randy Feigner, man. Dude, they're stacked in the secondary, and he knows it. He knows it. He talked about it, too, a little bit about the lack of preseason and why it really doesn't affect them that much because of how much mm-hmm. playing experience all of those guys have back there. I mean, you look at the youngest guy in the, in the uh, defensive backfield. Minka. is Minka. And, I mean, the two seasons that he's put together from amount of playing time that he's had, situational football.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, even for Emmons, I mean, because they both the same draft class. is identical. Both of those guys have played a ton of snaps. So you don't really have the same type of concerns that you might have at the linebacker position, or at the uh, defensive lineman position, or even on offense in some of those spots. So yeah, if you're to Austin, man, you gotta be hype. I mean, I don't blame <laughs> you. I'm hype listening to. So he got me fired up. I'm like, dang, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt about that. No
0: doubt about that. He's got. He's smiling from
1: ear to ear. I'm sure walking into that facility. Every single day, senior defensive assistant and secondary coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're gonna take our last break before we hand things off to the training camp report evening you know, show.
2: See why they call it senior defensive assistant? Couldn't they call it like senior defensive vice?
1: Oh, here we go. The vice, the go. vice, senior defensive. So he's like the assistant principal of the defense. Yeah, is what yeah. You're I mean, because
2: me. we gotta throw vice in there. Right? Like vice president, so it could be the the vice defensive senior. <laughs> Assistant device.
1: Principal Austin. Yeah, there we rolls go. Rolls off the tongue nice. I'm <laughs> gonna take our last break here to pay the bills one last time. On the other side, we will get to your reaction on Twitter. So, last chance to get those tweets in, Knuckleheads. At Wesley Uller at the body fifty-two. The body. Wrap up the show on the other side. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. And your grandma was sitting by the fire. My grandma told your grandma I'm gonna set your flag on fire talking about midnight. This, this is I'm
0: the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Moates on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR Wrapping up
1: the show here on a Tuesday, Arthur Moats, Wesley Euler, Steelers Blitz on SNR. We got some reaction to get to, of course, as always, before we get out of here. We had a bunch of people, a couple people chime in uh, about our conversation. Most excited to see, other than Big Ben or Stefan Tuitt, the non-injury guys, who you're most excited to see play for the Steelers this year. Got a couple Juju tweets. Of course, Arthur Moats. I don't think that one is surprising. Uh, Steelers 480, he's with you. He says, Chooks has to be my pick. I feel like everyone forgot about him shutting down Von Miller and Mile High two seasons ago. I believe that was his first start. Yeah, and he also did really well last year, uh, you know, kind of being thrust in there against the, against Rams, the Rams as well.
2: Absolutely, man. Chooks is definitely a guy. From an athletic ability standpoint, he checks all the boxes. He's just young in terms of football experience, in terms of just overall playing. You know what I mean? He got into the game late and things like that. But Chooks, I mean, he he's a guy that if he does win that battle between him and Zach Banner, I think he could definitely be a very, very successful starting right tackle in this league. I feel that way, honestly, about both of those players, him and Banner, honestly. I
1: think so, too. It's going to be fun. You know, I wish we had a normal training camp setting oh, to watch man. those two duke it out.
2: Absolutely Because I'm high on Banner Solely from the The position of pedigree Knowing that If Banner Weight was under control Like how it is now He's probably a first round Draft pick Coming out of USC Mm -hmm. I mean This is a guy that Five I mean, star recruit in high five school. Five star recruit was a, was a played D one basketball and yeah. football at USC. Yeah. Like just let us let, let, really just factor in all these yeah. things. Like it's, it's levels to it. Have
1: you seen his dance video? I, I mean, he's say, got good feet.
2: Like like it's it's legit levels to this thing. Not yeah. to mention just how large of a guy he is. So with all of those names, that's the only reason why I lean slightly towards Banner. But Chooks, I would not be surprised at all if he wins that starting uh, right tackle spot and has a really, really good season because he has pedigree as well.
1: Zach Banner, two-time USA Today, high school All-American in two sports. Yeah, that'll play. That'll do yeah. it. That's uh, not not too shabby of a resume there. Glad ahead didn't get you 30 on the court. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> take out your best pass Russian. I mean, I thought yeah. I was—I
1: thought I was big time because I won a Penguin Cup and played in a state championship Mm-mm. game. I mean, jeez, Louise, Zach, save some for the That's Like Chase Claypool too. I mean, you two sports stars, studs, showoffs, showoffs. Thrash wants to know: Are you guys still taking phone calls? Cause I've been tweeting you, but I'm dying to call in too. Although I'm a Penn State fan, you might be blocking my number from calling.
2: Oh, chill out! All right, you know, you
1: see, that's it. We make one Penn State joke, and these guys won't let us live it down. You know, I tell you what. Well, actually, I'm
2: not opposed to that. It was no joke on my end. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, 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 Thresh. Today, we 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 actually did plan to hop on the we line again. Too much to get to. Yeah, some days is like that, man. Some days we're jam packed. Other days, we're like, you know what, man, we, we're going to take a phone call here and there. So, obviously, it didn't work out today. But you know what? Stay tuned because tomorrow we might be back in the saddle with the phone popping off, man. Just be ready this time, Thrash. We know that last time, you know, mm. you, you were ready. Mm. But you got beat to the punch, what, twice? No, you got to be quicker than that.
1: Oh, I almost had it. <laughs> yeah, you know what, Arthur Motes? Let's let's tell we'll we'll do a little hotline roulette tomorrow. Mm-hmm. All right? I'm not going to tell you what time, but I promise we'll Just do make it, sure
2: you're tuned in and you're okay, ready. We'll, we'll to do a little go.
1: hotline roulette tomorrow. All right? So everybody get ready for that. Get tuned in tomorrow. Um and you know, speaking of the Penn State stuff, I do want to we'll talk a little bit of what's going on in the college football world tomorrow as well cuz a bunch of stuff breaking there. As over, we speak. Over the last few hours. Yeah um that'll do it for the tweets i did want to uh to get back to this poll uh we got some more great photoshops from david shout out to him oh man he, he went way.
2: crazy today shout out, that that and hogan <laughs> oh man <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that that killed me right there it's always Jeez. us as, as
1: wwe superstars or as avengers or you know he, he
2: he knows what we like he knows exactly what we like
1: um well, actually, one more tweet here before we get to the poll. Uh, Steel City Reese says, I have my eye on undrafted corner from Miami. I believe how he pronounces his name is Trajan Bandy. Mo, do you know anything about this guy? Not off the top of my head, no, but from the University of Miami. Mm-hmm. He's 21 years old. He came out as an underclassman, was undrafted. He was signed by – he's with the Steelers right now. Uh, all ACC honorable mention – in 2019. How do you pronounce his last name again? Bandy. Bandy. Trajan Bandy.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. So, hey, good call. I'm not too familiar with him either. I know the name, Reese, but that's about it. Um... You know what? I'll have to uh, I'll have to pick Matt Williamson's brain on that one. He's kind of our our scout, yeah. our, our guy who knows all the all the college
2: players coming into pro. Well, and what's hurting us right now too? We didn't get a chance but, to see him in OTAs right. or training camp. That's so the thing
1: too is that normally a lot yeah. of these undrafted guys, that's when we get more familiar with them. You're right. Is during those OTAs. And those mini camp. But times. I will
2: say this, man, if he went to the University of Miami, I'll tell you that the one thing that stands off top is he is a great athlete. Yes. Because that's what they do recruit down there.
1: No doubt. Yeah. We will take it. We will take it. Wrapping up the poll, Arthur Motes, we had uh, over 160 people vote on the uh, the Steelers Nation Radio Twitter page. Which of these four Steelers are you most excited to watch in 2020? And you know, maybe we should have known, Motes. You put Juju on a poll, and I mean, he's automatically going to win. I mean, he's always liddy. He got a 57% Whew. of the vote. Uh, Bud Dupree coming in second with 20% of the vote. James Conner in third with 15% of the vote. And Edmonds checks in with 8% of the vote. In the replies, Motsi, right? We did get a a lot of Deontay Johnsons in the replies. Mm,
2: okay. So, hey, I, I, yeah, get, I can see that. Maybe
1: for a more fair poll, we should have gone Deontay instead of Juju, you know, just from yeah. the, the popularity standpoint. But I don't know. The wide, you're asking to compare wide receivers to everybody else the wide receivers yeah. are. I mean
2: they're always going to get the love unless you put TJ Watt up there
1: unless you put TJ Watt up there or Arthur Motes up there
2: whoa I mean, wait obviously. a minute now
1: obviously. Hey now. <laughs> Mozi that'll do it for today. We got another jam-packed show today, uh, tomorrow, I believe, and don't quote me on this, but I believe tomorrow it's Eddie Faulkner and James Conner speaking.
0: Ooh, so we I'm excited of, about those. Little,
1: little running back day tomorrow. Like I said, we want to talk some college football on the program. It's also a best of the West Wednesday. So a whole bunch to get to. Good stuff today. It was fun having you back, Mozzie. I missed you yesterday. I Come on, you man. You know I, I mean. missed
2: you as well, man. I, I couldn't stay gone for too long. You
1: know, I was thinking, like, gosh, like, without – is, is Moatsy's back normally hurting every day when he gets out of here from how he carries this S- team? Oh, I mean,
2: stop man. it. <laughs> Come on, man. You know you do all the heavy lifting. You just throw the oop. I just shag daddy at home.
1: I like it. I like it. So that'll do it for today. Let's hit the music. We will talk the ends tomorrow, 3 o'clock until 6 o'clock, as always right here. You know where to find us, Arthur Motz. It's on your 24-7 home of the black and gold
0: Steelers Nation Radio.